It is the last of our US Open tournament in a tea breaks, or tournaments in a tea break. Plural, surely. There's well, been a few. There's been quite a few. It's the voice, three, I think. of course, that you're hearing is Anna Smith, my usual partner in crime for our uh, tennis podcast. Uh, <laughs> and you're, of course, listening to Ros Satar as well. And we're going to sort of look back over the last slam of the year and some implications, I think, for our um, esteemed players. So, which we start with, Serena or... Well, yeah, we may as well start with Serena. Yeah. Um, 24 was on the cards. 24 is now still <laughs> still waiting to still be still waiting to be hit. And in fairness, we did say last week if it was anybody other than Andrescu, it probably would be Serena's for the winning. But if it was Andrescu that went into the final, it was up for grabs, and it and it really was. Um, the beginning of that match, Serena wasn't moving well. Her serving was awful. It was like the worst serving that she'd done in the entire tournament. Um, nerves, yes, but take nothing away from her. I mean, the aggression, um, taking balls so early, I think just flummoxed her. Are we ever going to see Serena get over the, the hump? I hope so. I, I just would find it so hard that if she retired and didn't get to that 24 at least, you know, even if she doesn't get to the 25, but if she can just get to that 24, I think it'd be a huge milestone and, and maybe take some of the pressure off as well. But I feel like we're kind of getting deja vu again. We've kind of gone to another final. She's been so good up until the final. And then all of a sudden it just, you know, whether it's her opponent who suddenly plays, you know, the match of their lives. I don't know if Andreescu played the match of her life, but, you know, she still played an extremely high level. And the same with, you know, Halep and Kerber when she's been in the final before. But... Again, it just wasn't the Serena that we'd seen before. And, and you really felt that in the matches leading up to it, you you just kind of... She had this dominance again, and you thought she was going to step up and, and show that in the final against someone who's so much younger and so much less experienced. But it, it almost was the other way around, and you thought Andrescu was the one who had the most experience, and the way she handled the occasion was just mm. incredible. And we've got a superstar in the making here. It was... I mean, as I said, we, we said it last week <laughs> that that was going to be the, the real danger. And she's a real old soul in a young body um, because she uses visualisation. She's got so much variety and she can dip with a lot of pace and power. She's a strong girl, isn't she? She really can wallop that ball. I mean, a couple of times she, she took it so early. It really had um, Serena like sixes and sevens. She, you know, really wrong-footed. Um, you know, if she did come into the net, she'd knife those volleys. It was almost like watching Townsend again. Um, you know, but I mean, Serena said it many a time before, you know, all these girls always lift their game when they, when they play me. And now I think what we're seeing is these games, these girls are playing their game and now it's up to Serena to lift hers. Um, there was definitely no intimidation factor. I mean, do you remember the, do you remember back when Serena was at her most dominant and people had lost that match before they even stepped foot on court? None of that at all. She just took it in her stride. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think a worthy winner. She's a bit like Marmite, though. She does divide the Twitter sphere. Um, and I, I think a lot of it's down to the fact she just does not care. She's so confident as well for, how is she, 19? 19. It's, um, it's crazy. She's just so self-assured. And, uh, yeah, I think she she can brush people up the wrong way. You do either love her or you hate her. But... 
Yeah, there's either no, there's way, no middle yeah, ground. Either way, you have to respect her yeah. because of what she's done and what she's achieved this year. It's just phenomenal coming from where she was last year, losing and qualifying, and all of a sudden she's now the US <laughs> Open champion. You're just kind of like hard to get your head around it a little bit, but it's um, it yeah, it's it's incredible, and you know it. Yeah, she is hard. She can come across as like a little bit cocky, and you can kind of you know people aren't really fans of that necessarily, but. I have nothing but for respect for what she does on the court. It's phenomenal, and I only see her getting better from here. No, exactly. if she can stay injury-free yeah, for she full has, season... Yeah, she's had a few injuries she? already, hasn't she, at oh. her young age? <laughs> I know. I, I just was reminded of when she was comforting Serena, and she was like, oh, I've had so many injuries. Yeah, at 19 years old, <laughs> thinking, like, yeah, you, give it another five years. You literally come out of high school what is the matter with I you know. but um but yeah you know I, I think a worthy winner definite a definite star in the making and I, I i really hope um i hope that she goes to shenzhen um and if i go it'll be it'll be like in, intriguing to see what she can do there because interestingly serena's in the in the race she's in that in that which i bet i can't see her going to shenzhen at all probably not you, i mean you wouldn't have thought so but then again with Serena, you never know. Well, she did front up in Singapore that first year and then got walloped by Alep in the, in the Ram Robins. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I suppose it depends what her kind of plan of action is going to want to be because obviously for her, I guess the most important things are the slams. Yeah. But it's finding a way to get over the line now because it, it seems like she's making these finals, but she's never playing the tournaments beforehand consistently enough to, yeah. you know, to win those titles. And... There's nothing that can replace that winning a final, mm-hmm. and she obviously isn't getting that. So she's kind of got those mental scars a little bit at the moment. So, I, like we spoke about before, whether it's a case of you know dropping down to an international, that's a little bit weaker, but getting your mm-hmm. hands on that trophy, there's nothing that can replace that. And I know a slam final is different, but you still can't replicate winning. So it's kind of whether she needs to just maybe just have a slight tweak of the schedule to get that kind of winning mentality back again, or I don't know, but Serena's saying, done do you, it in the past. Do you remember when Andy Murray came back? It was after I can't remember what injury it was. Was it maybe a wrist injury or something? Was it his back? When he, I think it might have skipped Florent Garros one year, but he came back and he. It was it was when he won like or reached the final and won like loads, uh, in a row, um, just to get that winning feeling back again, because you know, and and there, I think there's an element to that. I mean, this was the most. There was a bit, so obviously Serena was down 1-5 and then came back. And I think just, I, I, I think I, I think I was in the bantering with uh, Carol Bouchard and we were both sort of saying, oh, she just blinked. And Carol said, the French for that is she's just opened her eyes. Um, and, I, you know, they, Serena came back to 5-5 five, five, and I thought now, now we're in it. I think had it only been a single break, that second set would have been Serena's and we, we might be having a very different conversation. But I think a double break was just too much. I think it was it, it took everything to get to five five, and then after that, she just didn't have. She was just spent. But but you know that was the best I've seen her move. Eventually, that's the best I've seen her compete in 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 the finals. So Kerber, she'd not long had Olympia, had hardly anybody in of note to face in the on the way up. Um, and Wimbledon helped her out by giving her the the number thirty two seeding, so she'd hard, she'd hardly hit any trouble until she got to Kerber, and then basically Kerber just wiped the floor with her. Then 
Osaka was outplaying her. Then, then she lost the plot. <laughs> she lost the plot. Um, and I do think that had she come back and got that set, Osaka still would have outplayed her. Yeah, I probably would have agreed because, in that match especially. Yeah. Um, and then Halep, I think, was the biggest surprise of all. Yeah, and I don't I, mean this in any disrespect no, to I think you, you'd have had to have said that there was no way that Halep was going to... If Serena was on form, that Halep was going to be able to out-hit her, you know, do anything, hurt her, and then all of a sudden she comes out and plays the best match literally of her life yeah, and just wipes the floor with her. And, but again, it's the same thing. It's just Serena hasn't brought her A-game to the final. It's not that... Yeah. Granted, all of those girls have played incredible matches to beat her, but they haven't beaten a Serena on her A-game. Yeah. That's the difference. It, I think it could be a different conversation if we're talking about... Serena on her A game losing to these girls, but she just hasn't bought it in the finals. Yeah. There's not been that serving prowess, there's not been that returning aggression. It's just been so many errors, just lethargic. The footwork's not good enough, serving's not been great. It's just been too many things that are not good enough. And these girls have obviously brought their A games, and it would be interesting if Serena had just played one of those where she was on top form, but she, but she hasn't been. No, I mean, I, I agree that Kerber was probably just too soon um, and it was just too much of a, a dream run. But then the rest of them, I don't think yeah. there's that excuse. I think she's just kind of let maybe nerves and emotions yeah. get the better of her, oh. which we haven't previously seen. Yeah, I mean, New York def- last year, definitely. But, um, but yeah, this Wimbledon, I thought, was going to be different. I thought, it was, I thought the match was very strange. I thought even... After that first game where it was a bit of a shambles, I thought, you know, do you know what? Maybe she's just a little bit nervous. She'd get this game out of the way. And then another game went past and another game and another game and nothing was changing. And I was thinking, this is really strange. And, you know, I was shocked with how Hallett played, but I was also really shocked with how Serena dealt with everything. There, there just wasn't that... She couldn't find that click. And even when she was given those come-ons, there was just nothing yeah. there, which I found the most surprising part. I mean, well, what, what next for her? I mean, the next shot now is trying to equal Margaret Court's record pretty much in her own backyard. That would be good, wouldn't it? It would. Um, but I'm beginning to worry now because, you know, Andreescu, if she can stay fit and healthy, will be... Because she started off the year really well. So if she can stay fit and healthy, she's going to be definitely in the mix. You can't count out um, Naomi Osaka, who's much happier on the hard courts than she is on anything living or furry or grassy <laughs> in, in Europe. Um, I don't think you can count out Halep. No. In, I don't in, think in, you can in, count out a in, lot of women, but then I don't think you can count in a lot of women. It's, <laughs> it's, it's one of Watch those... Watch as where... Joe comes and wins Australia now. Out well, I mean, nowhere. that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it, if she did? But it, you know, with... With the women, as we've proven before, time and time again, you know, you think Osaka is going to be the one who's going to take the tour by storm and, and then all of a sudden she, you know, wins those two slams in a row and then kind of peters off a little bit and then has a mini resurgence and then goes off again. And, and the same with Halep, you know, she goes and wins Wimbledon but then loses early at US Open and Kerber can't seem to win a match and Plisica is the same. She does well in the smaller tournaments as soon as it gets to a slam. She doesn't do that well. So it's like the Zverev. Yeah, it's just so it's so hard to pick. But out of all of them, you would have thought that Andrescu seems to be the one who kind of has the full package and is a little bit more mentally stable, so to speak. But also physically, she she has that 
strength as well. She's kind of like a Naomi Osaka, but just a little bit more cool, calm and collected in the head, whereas Naomi's just a little more emotional. <laughs> I mean, but even then that's crazy because like Osaka's normally so inscrutable on court, but when she does let those emotions show, it really does have, have an impact. But I mean, the, Andrescu's not, not short of a bit of confidence when I think in her interview she was like, you never know, I might even get as many, you know, as many as Serena. You know, she's looking at the long game. She's thinking, well, why not? If I got my first slam at 19, why can't I aim for 23? Well, there's nothing wrong with that because... Because at this rate, she'll probably get it before Serena. <laughs> exactly. She's prov- she's proving already how good she is and that she can do it on the biggest stage. You know, she it's all well and good for someone to, to kind of do maybe one tournament and it kind of be a flash in the pan. But what she's proven sort of over these last six months when she's been fit is just phenomenal tennis. And people are struggling to beat her. They don't know what to do because... There are just hardly any weaknesses in her game. Mm. She's so strong and so determined that, you know, it, it's hard to find a way through. And again, like you said, it's just all about whether she can stay fit or not. And that that's going to be the hard part. I mean, as I said, I, I, I struggle to understand why there's so much Twitter hate. But, you know, it, she is incredibly polarising. It's, it's, quite, it's quite fascinating to watch, um, you know. I actually think she's hilarious. I, I I quite love the fact that, you know, she was... I love it when the Wranglers sort of open, you know, roll their eyes if a player drops a swear word. And um, so, and Rescue was, like, swearing and effing and blinding at, um, at, at, Indian, at Indian Wells, and they were all, like, kind of, oh, my God. She was like, I know I'm not supposed to say it, but anyway, it's, it's out there now. And she just doesn't care, which I thought was actually quite endearing because she was 18, 19, and good at it. That's that's how my parents used to describe it. Yeah, you're a teenager and you're good at it. Yeah, you know, it's refreshing. It's refreshing yeah. to see someone with a bit of personality. I think a yes. lot of the girls in the women's game are just so all about trying to have a poker face and and not show anything on court, and it makes it quite hard to not for them to be likable, but to kind of have a favorite because they all kind of merge into one. And I think that was the difference a little bit with Naomi. Why people liked her was because she wasn't afraid to let those emotions show. You know, whether it was just like these weird jokes that she came out with or, you know, if she was upset or... But at least you knew what was going mm. on and you could kind of relate to it a little bit more. Whereas you see a lot of them and, and it's just... You can't relate to them yeah. at all or find something that likeable about them because they don't really give you much of their personalities. Yeah. They just want to hide behind this facade and and it does make it tricky. But with Andrescu, at least she's showing her personality and she's not going to apologise for that and I think no. it's refreshing. No, I do. I, I, I agree with you. I think we've got a superstar in the making and it actually, you know... Someone who doesn't mind the spotlight, like Osaka as well, which is good. different. Yeah, very true, actually. And, I, you know, I think one of the criticisms that I get, or if, you, if you tell people that you're a tennis writer, um, you know, people who don't know much about tennis will be like, they know Serena, they know Maria Sharapova and they know the big three. And they'll be like, well, who are all these like new people? And you're like, this, this is, you know, the women's story has never been more exciting. Uh, and I love the fact that we've had four different um, different winners this year. Um, there was a great, I think the Tennis Channel put out a little thing of like Djokovic for his two and, um, and Nadal for his two. And I thought, and that is everything that is wrong with the men's tour right now. Um, but then you've got people who, you know, like the women's tour is so unpredictable, but that's what makes it exciting. Because right now, we can't look past... Even even with Djokovic's shoulder and Federer, you know, mo- you know marketing Zimmer frames in <laughs> next year's season, <laughs> you can't look past the big three. You know, maybe, no. and the fact that now we, let's come on to the men then because 
have we got another superstar in the making and potentially someone outside of Dominic team to actually maybe threaten the big the big three? Potentially. In, I think this is probably, yeah. The, the little Danny Medvedev. Little six, or little six <laughs> foot six of him. Uh, no, I think this is the first time that we maybe do have someone who could actually run them close. And and it is, like I said to you earlier, when I, when I went to bed, I, I was watching the first two sets and I thought, you know, he's getting close, but Rafa's just got that edge. And then all of a sudden I woke up the next morning and it was 6-4 in the fifth and I was just like, how did that happen? Because I just didn't see it happening. But... You know, he showed so much determination and fight. And what was good was the fact that he had that tactical intelligence to try and actually change something. That he knew that he, if he kept going like he was, he was just going to lose in straight sets. But there was something that he could change and that he kept fighting. And I think that's something that maybe the other guys are lacking a little bit. They're so determined to stick to their game plan. And the mm. other guys know how to beat them and they're not going to bring anything else. That's the thing. And they're so stubborn. But, you know, he was doing whatever it took to win. And I think that's something that they don't necessarily have and that he kind of, that slight edge that he might have as well. Um, but it'll be interesting to see after this incredible summer that he's had. To be fair, he's had an incredible year so far. Mm. It's only just been the summer. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he can back it up and... And obviously, I guess he's going to be making the tour finals mm. now, probably. Yeah, I think, I think it's lying. I think he's qualified. I think the big three and him are qualified. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how he does at the end of the year. It'll be interesting to see if Djokovic is fit, because obviously mm. there's some issues around his left shoulder, and they said it's not great. It's almost kind of comparable to the problem, not the same thing, but like as much pain as he was having with his elbow. So right. that's not great for him. So you don't know whether you're going to see him again this year. And, and Roger, obviously missing out on these Wimbledon in the US mm. he's going to be disappointed with that and so you don't know what's going on with him so you know there's a chance for for Medvedev to really push on this end of the season so here's a, here's a question for you that um and this came from Taylor Townsend actually when she beat Halep is every time that she played her she said that she was playing not to lose and this time she went out to play to win and I think that's what we saw with Medvedev changing things up because he got battered in Montreal um, three and O, oh. so he obviously went out, and some of those rallies were breathtaking between the two of them. And not only that, but if win or lose the point, he was completely inscrutable. There was no emotion, nothing. It was very businesslike all the way through, and he yeah you know, he just fought like hell all the way through. Um, so what is the difference between playing not to lose, not yeah not to lose, and playing to win? What is that difference? It's just. It's the mentality. It's just the the thing that differentiates those top three between the rest of the pack. It's the fact that they go after it. They're not just going to sit back and let someone make a mistake and hope to give it to them, whereas they're going to go after it. They're going to be the ones to make it happen. And I do think, you know, it's you, the amount of times you see Roger on a big point go after it he's just not gonna serve and stay back and if he gets a short ball he's gonna smack that approach shot and come forward he's not gonna hold back whereas the other guys I think sometimes can be a little bit too passive and I think sometimes you see Zverev is is uh, guilty of that a lot he's just happy to rally from the back of the court and hope the other guy misses whereas when he's playing his best tennis he's going after and taking the game out of their hands and that's still what the difference is between mm. the big three because 
And that's kind of what Medvedev is starting to do. He's starting to dictate a little bit and everything's on his terms. Um, so he's the one who's really coming through and, and is showing that. So I don't know. I think the difference is, is just that they the guys coming up need to be braver. Mm. But that's about changing your mentality and having a winner's mentality. And that's the hard part to do because it's so easy when it gets to a juice, a break point, set point to just sit back and go into like this ultra defensive mode. But that is not what's going to make you win. No, I mean, it's interesting because um, when when Nadal was serving for the match and he got broken um, and it, was, it wasn't him breaking himself, it was definitely Medvedev who broke him at that point. Uh, and you just thought, well, nerves still exist. Um, and also because he was just trying everything, trying everything he could to, to, to get there. Uh, I mean, I, I, nothing would actually, I know he's quite a controversial character and has been quite sort of colourful at times, but nothing would actually make me more happy to see him sort of emerge out of that chasing pack because the whole next generation is so blurred now. Um, And then in amongst all of this, you have Grigor Dimitrov suddenly discovering how to win again um, out of nowhere. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's going to keep up because I still do think he's a little bit lightweight. In terms of as soon as he came up against um, Medvedev, sorry, you could see that Medvedev just had too much for him. And I think if Federer had been fit, I think Federer mm. would have won. Um, so then he wouldn't have come through that either. But I do, yeah, I do think Medvedev has just got that little bit extra. Um, you know, he's got that pace and the the power, but he's also got that ability to change it up. Whereas I do think Grigor's still a little bit, as much as he's had a great run, yeah. I don't suddenly see no. him but he was he was part of that original sort of generation <laughs> lost boys um and it's interesting you say about the other guys because when team made the final again i thought right okay the air he is the heir apparent on clay uh and then well, that's because there's only no one else yeah to... exactly <laughs> but it makes it, it makes for good headlines yeah. <laughs> um but that second set came out of nowhere i mean i remember watching it and then I think I was sat opposite a colleague of mine who was just like, well, he's just won it. How did how did he just win a second set? And I thought, I had no idea. He goes, no, and he, you know, he, fair, he won it fair and square. I mean, he broke him and kept hold of that advantage. But how did he do that exactly? And I thought, no, it came out of nowhere. And then uh, and I loved I loved his little phrase of, then Raphael stepped on me. Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah, in the press he goes, I won that second set. And then he stepped on me. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, but you let him step on you as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it, it is going to be fascinating. Um, and we're now into that strange period of the Asian swing and the European indoor swing. Um, so well, the season sort of tails off, and everyone's just a bit like, oh. <laughs> I, know, I know. I got, I got my uh, I got my papers in for Shenzhen, and I'm going to wait to see if I get my letter of invitation to go out and do the WTA finals. And there's a bit of me like, kind of, oh, that means I've got to pack my suitcase. That means I've got to get it out. I've got to get my suitcase. And go to China. And, and go to China. I do. I mean, I have to get my suitcase out anyway to go to the WTA thing, uh, to, to to the ATP finals as well. And I put my papers in for, Dav- for the Davis Cup final to see what that's all about. And I, I now just found in myself thinking, oh, I really can't be bothered. <laughs> it's just well, too the much. Davis Cup should be quite interesting to see how this new format works. Well, and... this is it. And what? Well, let, let, let's have a little natter about the the, the cosmos the cosmos cup or the PK cup, <laughs> as we like to call it. Well. <laughs> I was trying to explain. It's it's interesting actually because um, the the graphics for that were exactly the same as 
the new Euro qualifiers the, the, when they when they changed the whole format. And I remember being at Love Sport talking with Luther Blissett where I said, do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when you were kids and you made up rules for games um, and you're playing on your front garden and you make up all these rules for games and then by the time you figured out what the rules are, it's time to go in for tea. And then when you come out and play again, nobody remembers what it is. And that's exactly what the Davis Cup rules are. And of course, it's going to hit Fed Cup the following year, which I think is a, is a tragedy. Especially seeing how well the... The girls did this year, isn't it? It's and the interest that it it mm. garnered from from having a home tie well, or two. two home ties rather. But we're back to I think it's Slovakia. Yeah, I think it's Slo- it was one one of them. I think it. I think it's Slovakia. Well, I haven't been to Slovakia, so that'd be quite nice. I've, ne- I've never been to Slovakia either. <laughs> well, there you go. So you better get yourself. In. I was like, I'm going to say I better get in that team to try and get ready for it but no it's um yeah i don't i don't think i even really understand the rules of davis cup or fed cup it seems quite complicated and i think i'm not sure i I think what what i'm wary of is that many journalists are going to go just to see what it's like well that's a fair reason to go because i think it's still quite but it's complicated it's going to give a distorted I think lots of people are going to go to just to see what it's like. But, I mean, here's what I don't understand. So, GB is in there. Mm-hmm. So, let's just assume, for the sake of argument, that Murray and his bionic hip are all well and good, that Kyle Edmund discovers some form, um, <laughs> or indeed Norrie or Evans. Well, I mean, at this rate, it'll probably be Evo in the team. Um, and GB gets to pass the group rounds and into the semi-finals. Is it a round robin in the group? Yes. Okay. So, so what? Right. So it's a round robin in the group. Okay. And then don't we have quite a good group, like an okay group to get through though? I think we do. I'd have to. Uh, you put me on the spot. I am because I, I I feel like I remember we had Holland and someone else. You're sure you're not thinking about Euro 2020 qualifiers? <laughs> I mean, I could definitely <laughs> potentially be thinking about no, like that. I think we've got a fair group. Yeah. So let's just say for the argument, we get we get to the semi-finals. If you're a fan. Do you buy for the whole, whatever it is, week, 10 days? It's a week, I think a it week, is. A week, I think it is. So, and it's in Madrid, which isn't exactly the hottest place in winter. It's indoors, right? There I'm are assuming. three, there, well, there, right, so this is in the Caja Magica, so there are three indoor courts. Yeah. The rest are very much outdoors. And how many groups are there? Six, I believe. Will they will they do it like in Fed Cup and do like morning and sessions and night sessions? I think I think so. Because then they can play on through like three indoor courts potentially. Yeah, George... but it'll just be a long. With Fed Cup, it's a long day because I think you have. I can't remember if it's a ten o'clock start in the morning, and then obviously the second um, sets of matches are not till four in the afternoon. But then obviously that's providing that the match before on your court is finished, otherwise it overruns. And then obviously we've had situations where we haven't finished till like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> nice. And that's hard, especially when you're having to come back the next day again at four o'clock and do the same thing again. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the format is and, and how it does work and but if it, the top guys are going to play or not. Exactly. Well, this is it. So PK's got to really get the top guys on. And unless they, unless they need to play for Olympic qualification... Or money... Well, that's the other option, isn't it, really? That's what, that shouldn't, this is what frustrates me. That isn't what Davis Cup and Fed Cup should be about. It's an honour of representing your country and it shouldn't be about the money. But unfortunately it is, especially now that they've changed the format and changed the days and and things like that. So it's a shame because 
Davis Cup was such or Davis Cup and Fed Cup are such mm. traditions and, and it just seems a shame to get not get rid of them but just kind of change the way they were. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bath and, and Copper Box were amazing. I mean, I've been to many a Davis Cup and covered many a Davis Cup for Britwatch. Um, and it's it's always been outstanding support, really. You know, I, I can remember being in Glasgow um, when it went back to Glasgow for the first time in ages. And I was sat with uh, Andy Spooner from Sporting Life and, like, they played Take the High Road. And both of us were, like, sat there, like proper emotional because the the roar of the crowd mm-hmm. and we were worried about fed cup because we just thought it wasn't going to have the same sort of atmosphere but e- even for the fact that it was a much smaller much smaller venues the support was incredible really sort of gets to you so you know to have it in a neutral place is one thing if you're a fan what do you do do you buy tickets for the whole week and then if you're if let's say you know god forbid we don't get through the round robins if we don't have Andy, it's going to be an uphill task because we're relying on Evo, which is probably a fair bet because he's had an amazing year. So you're relying on Evans. <laughs> What's he going to do? Play doubles with Jamie after slagging off doubles? Maybe not. No, but no, but you've got, you got Inglot. The lucky thing as well is we've got quite a good selection of people in the doubles. Yeah. You've got like you have got Dominic Inglot. You've got. Um, Joe Salisbury. Salisbury even like Luke Bambridge people like that so you've got kind of some strength in depth um, in terms of who who could play so I think it's more the singles guys you kind of have to worry about a little yeah. bit and who would want to play as well I mean Evans I think would do it because he loves that whole environment yeah um, I think Edmund does like it but right now his form fitness has taken a walk off a cliff wise. yeah so and Norrie's great but hasn't quite got that I mean, he, he just needs to put it all together, you know, which Davis Cup can sometimes do. Yeah. It can. But if, if for some reason we don't make it to the semi-final and you're a fan that's bought tickets for that whole week, what do you do? Do you stay and watch the semis and the finals anyway? Depends if you're a tennis fan. Yeah. If you are a tennis fan, then you would want to stay and watch these top guys play. But if but you're just if a British fan, guys, yeah. then go and have a holiday in Madrid. In winter. I'm sure there are worse places you could go. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose Bogdan would, would Yeah, be. exactly. So, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's be... a t- yeah, the way they've done it is tough. It, it You know, I, I think they could, probably could have done it better. But again, money talks. That's a problem. It's who's going to say no? And talking money talks, of course, uh, the ATP have got their wonderful Labour Cup coming up, which has now been co-opted into the, the ATP land. And to me, the Labour Cup is nothing more than a glorified exhibition. But I don't, I don't How understand. is this part of the ATP calendar now? I'm not sure. Who, but who is it who decides who gets selected? I don't I don't understand that part. Well, in theory, it's the captains, Borg and McEnroe. They pick, but for the most part, it's very similar guys every time, isn't it? Yeah. Although they've had to resort to Jack Sock. What? They've had they to can't re- win a match. Well, they've well, got him in doubles. Well, I think they've got him for doubles. Okay. Because, um, and they've had to, so it's, it's mainly, I think they've got Kyrgios, and then it's a whole bunch of Americans, I think. Okay. Um, it, to be honest, it is, like you said, it's just an exhibition to get people to come and watch the funnest guys and most likeable on over a few days. Or <laughs> well, maybe not. Taylor Fritz. Jack Fr- Jack okay, maybe. <laughs> maybe I was being generous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd even say, you know, at least Nick Kyrgios is entertaining. Yeah, but then obviously they go for sort of Rafa and Roger, yeah, don't they? Exactly. It'll be interesting to see if Rafa decides to play, but I guess he's signed up for it, so maybe, because it's just more of a chilled exhibition thing than, yeah. than he might do it. Um, 
but yeah it's it's an interesting one it, you know you're kind of wondering why exhibition events are, I mean I know it's not an exhibition event but it for the most part it is, isn't <laughs> really um get put in the calendar but again it's just all about money yeah and then obviously next year the ATP Cup has had a huge impact on tennis so the very popular Hopman Cup disappears that's a shame I that really is a like, shame it's like, it such a nice event for the public to come and watch and and get to see the guys in a bit more of a relaxed atmosphere but and players seem to really like it as well I mean you know Kerber seems to you know I think Kerber, well Kerber came off the back of that year and, and suddenly had a great, had a great run mm-hmm. all over the place and even won Wimbledon that year yeah, so, so it's the same with Ro- when Roger and Benchich have played. Mm. That, you know, Belinda's come off, and and obviously you can't be nothing but inspired having played mixed doubles with Roger. But she's come off it, and you know, sort of had good years as well. So it's going to be a shame that the event has been changed. But oh uh, yeah, I don't know. There are a lot of changes coming up. Uh, well, the ATP Cup are now worried. Well, not worried, but yeah. If Andy chooses not to play and goes and plays Doha, I think he wants to go to the to start his season well you wouldn't blame him if they wanted to it's it's about the best preparation and it it seems a shame to change it because at least with the Holman Cup they were guaranteed a a singles and a double so they knew that they were guaranteed this amount of matches so it's a shame but yeah okay well it's been a pleasure wittering on about um, the last slam of the year it most definitely has another interesting slam another different winner on the female side at least (laughs) but um and hopefully we'll be able to get together and start to shed some light on what's next for you but before you know offer a little bit of a teaser oh for me oh god um i actually might be playing a tournament soon 14 months down the line i i don't know if i should put this out there but i'm (laughs) scheduled to play in a couple of weeks so Fingers crossed for me that, that it all goes well these next two weeks and I'll be back on the match court soon. Which means we might not ever get to do these shows ever no, no, again. We, no, we will always find time to do these <laughs> shows. Whether I'm on the road or ever, we will always do these. Don't worry. Fantastic. Well, look, thanks very much for agreeing to do this over the, over the US Open. It's been great fun. It's a pleasure as always. Thank oh, you for having me. No problem. You've been listening to Roz Satar and Anna Smith. Thank you for listening.